Uh, so Amanda, I have a confession now. Okay, great. What's your confession? Uh, as a married man on the, right, on the right foot. Yeah, as a newly married man, I have right. to say that I feel like I've really matured over the course of these past three months. Uh, um, you know, you've been married for like three weeks, right? Yes. So okay. I feel like I'm a different person, which means cool. I feel like I've really matured. And I'm sorry mm -hmm. to say, but mm -hmm. I think we're going to have to uh, cut all the jokes out. Oh, all the jokes. Yeah. Um, so we're just don't... going like full like NPR, close to the mic, whispering for the next hour and a half. Hello and welcome to Adapt for your viewing. <laughs> yeah, But like more serious maybe, than that. Maybe we'll more talk drier. about the adaptation. But instead of talking about the adaptation, we will talk about the adaptation of the adaptation and what it really means to adapt something in your heart and mind. Stop it. With no <laughs> jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Like in a really serious way. Like in a no joke kind of way. This is like 60 minutes, but only audio and more boring and no ticking. <laughs> it's going to be hella ASMR where you're just going to listen. <laughs> And not really identify anything that I say. You can't say hella and not expect me to laugh. That's not fair. <laughs> um, I believe the quote was hella ASMR. Okay, so okay, good. Okay. All right, now I got the full quote. Perfect. <laughs> this is good. Okay, so your notes for season two. No jokes. Got it. No jokes. Mm -hmm. What are um, your what's what what do you want to improve on? So mine is the jokes. I want less of them. Great. Um, I'm going to say no serious books or movies. Everything is going to be uh, less than 200 pages and um, really dumb. So, <laughs> so we'll see how we can balance so we have reading and watching something really dumb and being really serious about it at the same time. So we're going to do the second Percy Jackson book and we mm -hmm. can't make any jokes, any jokes about the movie. Zero jokes whatsoever. Zero jokes about the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why yeah. people are listening to us, right? To do to for us to read dumb stuff and for, to be very serious about it. Very, 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 yeah. very serious. Yes, that's why people. Are okay, good. It. Let's start season two. All right, here we go with the Princess Bride. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda and I read too many books. Welcome back everyone to season two of our podcast. What? We are brother and sister and this is our podcast for nerds where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on and then tell you which one is worth consuming. Yeah, and today we will be talking about a big one, The Princess Bride, including oh. the 1973 novel by William Goldman and the 1987 movie directed by Rob Reiner. A book? This is a special book. It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today I'm going to read it to you. I'll try and stay awake. If you are unfamiliar, inconceivable. <laughs> <sighs> But don't worry, we'll be doing a spoiler-free chat for the first half of our episode, and if you are familiar or don't really care about spoilers on this particular book-to-movie combo, stick around. So real quick, we're going to give you a brief summary on the story. The Princess Bride, uh, if you haven't heard of it, is a romantic action-adventure story centered around Buttercup, a milkmaid, and Wesley, the farm boy she falls in love with. When she believes Wesley is dead after his boat is captured by the dread pirate Roberts... 
a pirate who never leaves survivors, she vows never to love again. Years later, she has agreed to enter a loveless marriage with Prince Humperdinck and is suddenly kidnapped by a band of three outlaws. But their escape with the kidnapped Buttercup is followed by a mysterious man in black. Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Adventure and intrigue follows. And it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. A classic. A classic. So, David, what was your first experience with this uh, book and or movie? So I didn't, I really didn't watch this. I don't know about you, really? but I, it really wasn't like a big thing for our family, I feel mm-hmm. like. Like, I don't remember this, of all things, this not really being a classic. It might be because it has very like dry uh, like humor to it. Yeah. And for at least movies like that, that wasn't like a big thing we tended to watch was very like dry uh, type humor. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in high school, an ex actually just like forced me to watch it on her 11 inch MacBook Air. Um, <laughs> not, I will say, not the greatest movie watching experience <laughs> I've ever had. But However, one, one that we've all had though. One that we've, let's face it, we've yeah, all had to do it at there. some point. Yeah. Uh, and it like blew me away. I thought like, because if you don't watch The Princess Bride, it's one of those things where like everyone quotes it. And so yeah. you almost get annoyed with it because you don't get it. Yeah. It's like in high school when I didn't watch um, 40-Year-Old Virgin and everyone would quote that movie. Mm-hmm. Or Anchorman. Like, or like Anchorman. And like, cool, it's a comedy. But like if you don't see it, it suddenly becomes super annoying. And right. you almost yeah. be against it because of that. Yeah. It's kind of like that with Princess Bride. But then I watched it and I was like, yeah, this is this is great. This is very, 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 very funny. Yeah, there's a lot to love real quick. Um, what about you? Yeah, it's kind of, I guess I didn't realize that we didn't really have, like, I feel like every family had a VHS of this growing up, and we didn't necessarily have one, but a friend of mine who, um, I mean, you were pretty young when we moved out. Uh, we used to live in Chicago. We moved out uh, further into the suburbs when you were pretty little, and I had a friend who's um, from when we lived in Chicago, and we I would, like, spend the weekend with her. Um, and me and Emily were both friends with her. And so we would switch on and off who would go spend the weekend with her. And she liked to watch two movies. She liked The Mummy and The Princess Bride, which are still to this day some of my favorite movies of all time. Good taste. Good taste. (laughs) So we would go over there and we would just watch both of those. And so I really feel like I did grow up watching it. Um, It just happened to be at somebody else's house. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, everyone has that friend yeah. You had the friend to watch Princess Bride. I had the friend to play Mortal Kombat. We all True. get like our experiences, you know, through yeah. other people. Yeah. And I loved it like as a kid. I, I watched it when I was pretty young. Um, I loved the romance of it. I loved the adventure. I loved the sword fighting. I thought it was extremely funny. And like you said, it's extremely, it's obviously very quotable. And so it's very easy to like, remember certain parts of it and then when you're re-watching it to like be delighted that you remember the lines so uh yeah I grew up loving it like most other uh 90s kids and uh we didn't even have the VHS in our house so it was very special when it, it I realized when we were I was like in high school that it was like a thing that everybody cared about and then once like the internet came around it was a thing everybody on the internet talked about so it was like a really fun inside joke with my entire generation, basically. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what is most surprising is actually when I heard that this was based on a book. I, yeah. I think, I think it's just the genre of like um, 
because this is very like satirical. Yeah. Uh, I never see satire as a big like written genre, especially for mm-hmm. this type of heavily themed satire. I never would have thought would have been a book because I kind of put it in the same category of something like like Spaceballs, honestly, right. uh, yeah, very yeah. like genre based satire. So I was really shocked when I found out it was based on a book. I was a little bit less shocked. I was, I was more like delighted. I'm like, oh, good, more Princess Bride. But I was more shocked that it was the original was written in the 70s because mm-hmm. to me it feels like such like 90s humor when I watch it. But I think maybe that's just because that's when I watched it. It might be. But uh, let's hear more about the book then. Give us some book facts. Yeah, the book is kind of crazy. Um, it has this really funny framing to it. Um, where William Goldman is abridging the story from S. Morgenstern, who doesn't exist. It's not real. Um, but if you read the four words, and there are many in the latest uh, so edition. So many. <laughs> um, it, there's like this elaborate story, and they kind of pulled that into the movie um, with the the little kid Fred Savage uh, being told the story by his grandfather. And so that is very much based on kind of the foreword that um, William Goldman wrote for the book where he talks about this happening where his dad read him the story when he had pneumonia, but that's also fake. It's not real. So he talks in the story about like having um, a grandson and a son that he doesn't have. He talks about his wife a lot who. Uh, his real life wife has a different name and profession. And so it's, it's like this really funny, elaborate story around like he pretends that Florin is a real place and it's all based on historical events. And so throughout, not just in the forward, but throughout the book as well, he'll like self insert himself and be like, this part was really boring. So I skipped it all. And it's just like the chapter's like one line. And so it's like this. Yeah. It's, it's a joke that continues throughout the writing of the story. Um, so much so that there is a reunion scene um, between Buttercup and Wesley um, that is skipped in the book. And you, there's the option to write into the publisher in order to receive it. And then when people did write into the publisher, they received like this legal letter back. It was like a four-page legal letter. And you can actually still go and read it. on. It's posted online right now. So you can go and read it if you want. But it's just like this... It feels like an internet joke before there were internet jokes, if that makes sense. Um, Yeah. It had a very, like, meme-type humor to it. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's why it was so catchy. It feels like very much before its time. Uh, There's an entire joke about uh, a sequel called Buttercup's Baby that uh, William Goldberg is trying to basically get permission from – the S Morgenstern like estate in order to publish mm-hmm. it. But in reality, he just hasn't written a sequel yet. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's like funny stuff like that. So I read the 30th anniversary copy, which just came out. It has three forwards. So like half it's of the book crazy. is basically four words. And then an excerpt of buttercup's baby that you can read. Yeah. I was shocked when I saw how many forwards, like I saw the book yeah. and I was First off, very intimidated by the length. And then I realized, like, half of this book actually is not the Princess Bride. No. (laughs) It's, like, either the billions of forwards he did, which I'll be honest, I read maybe five or six pages of the first forward, got annoyed, and then just (laughs) skipped to the book. 
I read all the forewords just because I was curious. Um, but you don't have to. You can definitely just read the book. The Princess Bride itself is less than 300 pages, so it's a really fast read. Yeah, pretty easy read. Yeah. Uh, but Golden was trying to adapt the movie as early as 1982. Uh, there were tons of attempts. It looked like it wasn't going to go through for a long time. And then it was kind of like this miracle movie that didn't really make a lot of money at the box office at the time and had its uh, real growth come in the form of VHS copies that went out to households, not like ours, but like a lot of friends that we had. Uh, and it became kind of this big thing uh, that still is very popular today. Um, I, in addition to this, I also read Carrie Elwes's, uh like kind of memoir about the making of the princess bride. And I highly recommend it. He narrates it himself, which is fantastic because it's Carrie Ellis. Um, he has that great accent. He does uh, incredible impressions of everybody that he worked with. So it's excellent. Um, and it's a fascinating story. Uh, he, he talks all about like all like the really dangerous stunts he did. He got um, there's this part in the movie. I'm, let me know if you remember this, where he gets knocked out by the six-fingered man right yeah. after they come out of the forest. He bonks him. He is actually getting bonked for real there. He is actually passing out on screen. Which is really funny because the bonk sound effect they play sounds yeah. like they tapped him on the head. Yeah, it looks uh, really fake. It is actually super, super real, and he had a horrible concussion from it. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> so I highly recommend Take that for the team. Yeah, that additional audiobook if you absolutely love the Princess Bride and need a little bit more. There's a lot of Princess Bride content. There's a lot of Princess there. Bride. We'll there. It's been adapted into a musical. It's been adapted into tons of computer games, board games, and a tabletop game. Um, and yeah, there's tons of stuff out there. Tons of like goofy stuff that you can enjoy. Whatever, whatever tickles your fancy. Yeah, speaking of adaptations of mm -hmm. this, I mm -hmm. was, this brings me to movie facts, because I was looking up all the different adaptations, because I swear every time we look up other types of adaptations, there's like a secret musical or something that we haven't heard about. There are a lot of secret musicals out there. Yeah. So many musicals of things. Um, and then I saw something interesting, and it was like a credit for The Princess Bide for 2020. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is weird. Uh, what did they do in 2020? I found out they remade the entirety of The Princess Bride in like during quarantine and sort of like uh, like all shot on phones with famous Hollywood actors and it lives on Quibi. Is it the with the original cast? No, it's no. That's the thing. There isn't the original cast. Uh -huh. uh, basically, they're like 10 minute shorts. And within the 10 minute shorts, there was like small two, three minute scenes. And in each of those two to three minute scenes, a different famous actor or actress plays the roles. And so rant like the fun of it is not actually watching The Princess Bride. It's seeing what famous actor or actress will play one of the characters in the next role yeah and it is really funny like it is very very thing? funny uh that's the thing i'm saying it's really funny i got about four episodes into it there's about 10 10 minute episodes and i was like all right this is cool but i'm kind of done with this like chris pine is in it oh yeah, look Gary chris... is plays prince humperdinck in it that's really funny there's a, there's lot, of... a lot of people in here there's a ton of people, and I will say, it is pretty entertaining. Mm -hmm. It's worth doing the seven-day trial for Quibi and then deleting it off your phone immediately because they do spam you a lot. 
because uh, Quibi really wants you to give them money, and I will never give Quibi money. <laughs> uh, but it is, it's weirdly entertaining, but, like, not that entertaining. Kind of lost its, like, coolness for me pretty quickly, but, you know, you might have fun with it. Yeah, something to check out. Home movie, The Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, some, you know, tiny little movie fun facts. I mean, you could, again, there's entire content there's dedicated to, like, all the facts about this movie. One thing that I did think was very interesting is Carrie Elwes and Manny Patinkin uh, trained for their, like, famous mm-hmm. sword fight for months mm-hmm. with, like, very famous people who did coordination, Peter Diamond, Bob Anderson. They did a lot of famous stuff back then. Yeah. <clears throat> and they spent so much time doing this themselves there wasn't a lot of stuff doubles at all except during like weird gymnastic scenes mm-hmm. um and so they do this they show up on set and rob reiner's like mm, not good enough i want three extra minutes of it which yeah. for a coordinated sword fight is a very long time a very yeah. long time so they just like did it on the fly and just like made it up yeah. as they went along and completely re-choreographed the entire thing um, which is pretty crazy to do when you're just on set, especially since if you watch the sword fight, it's like, it's pretty great in terms of a swords fight. It's, it's Fantastic, pretty yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. So for the sword fight, um, cause Carrie always talks about it a lot in his memoir. He has like a couple chapters dedicated to it. They like in real life learn how to fight with like both hands. Um, and they were like, emotional when they like finish the sword fight because they would never be able to sword fight they like legitimately learned a craft in order to make this movie which is just absolutely crazy to me yeah and if you like learning sword fighting is very very hard there's a um there's like some series on youtube where uh special effects artists and like stunt coordinators kind of react to scenes um for movies it's from corridor digital it's incredibly like insightful in discovering like how hard it is to make movies and Mm -hmm. before i started watching this i never thought that like stunt coordination uh had as much work and craft in it as it does but it it is incredibly difficult and sword fighting is one of those things that is like a real difficult skill to learn so yeah yeah hats off to them seriously yeah they're both um like harry always was like 19 or 20 when he did this movie and he said it was like the most difficult training he's ever been through in his entire life i believe it yeah uh one last movie fact uh pertains to andre the giant so, i can not believe this when i read this this is wild yeah so originally uh you know they were trying to get this adapted for years and they couldn't find out who to play fezzik and originally they wanted andre the giant but they couldn't really get him so instead they actually got Arnold Schwarzenegger very early in his career. Which is just, could you imagine? Could you imagine the type of movie it would be with with Arnold as as Fezzik? Completely, even his career, completely different. Could you imagine Arnold being like, anybody want a peanut? (laughs) I I couldn't. Thankfully, uh... It got tied up for so long that Arnold accidentally got very famous and they couldn't get him anymore. And thankfully, Andre the Giant was actually on like sort of a break 
mm-hmm. um, during his wrestling career due to like some injuries. So he was able mm-hmm. to film on set. Uh, yeah. And he also talks a lot. Like if you see him talk about this movie, he talks about how much he loved it because people just like treated him like a normal person, which is a little bit sad for his everyday life. But yeah. he has like such warm things uh, when talking about this movie. Again, another reason to like read more into this movie and it's behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. I know everything that I read like about the behind the scenes was basically like how much everybody loved working with Rob Reiner, which is just that warms my heart always. I love yeah, it, it was like a good like camp experience instead of like a harrowing like <laughs> terrorizing experience. It's really nice in a world where you grow up and then realize that the thing you loved had something terrible attached to it, that this movie is as wholesome as the story it portrayed, like the making of it. Absolutely. It's just so nice to hear about. It honestly is. Uh, So, David, now that we have both watched this classic movie and read the book behind it, what did you think about this story? It's just, I mean, you could tell from just talking to us, but it's just such a wholesome classic. Like, you can't beat this type of movie because they really don't make these types of movies. Yeah. It is definitely more of a kid's movie, even though I wouldn't necessarily call the book a kid's book. Right. But it is such, like, genuine satire, but it has more heart and wholesomeness than most of like the real stories that sort of portray these types of things like i could not get over how much it would make me laugh but then still some of the drama although it is a little you know melodramatic yeah i still was very invested in it and that Mm -hmm. has not cheapened over time at all yeah no not at all and i think genuine satire is a good way of putting it because it like it is satire, but not in the way where it's making fun of its source material. It's, yeah. it's like enjoying its source material, but also like winking at the audience to be like, you know, this is kind of ridiculous, right? Um, which I just, I, it's so enjoyable. And like you said, kind of rare. Um, the thing that really struck me from reading the book to watching the movie is that uh, I assumed that there would be a lot more differences. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I I didn't really think that like uh, the writer of the story, uh, Goldman, also wrote the script himself. And he walked away from a couple opportunities to make this movie when his script was getting changed. And mm-hmm. so it's really insanely true to the book. Like the dialogue is so good. Uh, in the movie because it is pulled directly from this book, which I was kind of surprised by. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's it, it was like strangely refreshing, like all the wit and fun from the book really made it on screen perfectly. Yeah, it's it's one of those adaptations that, uh, you know, the book establishes the foundation and the movie does build upon it but it only brings more of what was good about the book it doesn't make a lot of changes or shifts in the type of story you would expect in an adaptation like this so i mean i just love it because it just feels like a celebration of this sort of story and these types of um uh genre 
pieces that mm-hmm. I will only age better with time. I I hope that the 2020 Quibi version of it is the only <laughs> remake we ever get uh, because I really hope they never try to redo this type of story. Same. It just wouldn't, it absolutely wouldn't feel the same if they had a different cast. This cast is so unbelievably good. Like it's wild to me that you said that they were going to have somebody else play Fezzik other than Andre the Giant. Like that's yeah. unimaginable to me. Like I can't imagine anybody else playing Wesley or Humperdink or Buttercup. Like those actors are so strong. And um and Inigo Montoya, like those the actors that play them are so much a part of that character. It would be almost impossible for me to see them recast. It yeah, it is completely ingrained, even when reading the book, which let, let's dive a little bit into it, because the, the book, it it's a pretty direct adaptation, but the book still has a lot of, uh, I guess, just like satire and joke differences, as we were kind yeah. of alluding to with the billions of forewords and sort of an introduction <laughs> yeah. to this book. Yeah. You know, what are some of the thoughts, especially on uh, some of those additions that the book had? Um, I think like Inigo gets a quite a bit more uh, explanation and backstory and his story. And uh, a lot of the characters do. A lot of the characters besides Buttercup, unfortunately, um, have a lot more explanation to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily mind. I think it was a smart idea to have it cut for the movie um, because you get so you get everything you need to get from Mandy Patikin's performance from an ego. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did super enjoy, to be honest, was Humperdinck in the book. Um, he's extremely funny in the book. Like he's already very funny in the movie, but he kind of plays like the straight man in the movie. In the book, he is a ridiculous character. Um, and he's described in the book, I like vividly remember this. He's described in the book right when they're talking about him putting like his zoo of horrors together or whatever with like different <laughs> yeah. levels of like animals for him to wrestle and kill all the time um he talks about <laughs> how his biggest characteristic is that he's an optimist and i think that's it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> and so like that's the kind of humor that i like really enjoyed reading this book is that like we have this villain and he's described basically like you would describe a protagonist and it, mm-hmm. it fits in a weird way that you don't really expect it to fit. So uh, honestly, like one of my favorite scenes from the movie is when Humperdinck is telling um, the count with six fingers that he like he doesn't have any time to watch him uh <laughs> torture people because he's just booked he's like he's got so many things going on uh he has to like plan murders and and plan all this it's hilarious and I, that's one of my favorite scenes and basically that's repeated over and over again throughout the book and i found it so fun to have more of that in the book yeah it does just add a little bit more and th- those tend to be the things that i really love mm-hmm. i think what i had the only hard thing i had reading this book is that because i've seen this movie so many times mm-hmm. it's hard uh not to just imagine the characters as the actors oh definitely and i feel bad because i just feel like i didn't find it as funny because i know the the movie so well so totally, it's not even yeah. it's not that this book uh, like that's a criticism at all it's just more of like an observation that's like if you've seen this a billion times the book does add a lot of interesting things but I don't wouldn't necessarily say that I was laughing that much reading this there's like yeah. one single joke that always got me and it was the one where he jokes about um, like kind of questioning what time period this is set 
<laughs> because he would like sometimes make allusions to yeah. America yeah. and sometimes make like you just couldn't pinpoint the time that this was supposed to be set in. Yeah, where he's like, it was before uh, you know, it was before uh Paris, but after fashion or something like, like yeah. he would say stuff like that all the time. And that was very funny. It was very funny. Yeah. Yeah, and there's jokes like that scattered throughout. The, like, meta humor of the book was definitely, like, dialed up to 11. Uh, when I would say, like, the meta humor of The Princess Bride is still pretty high of the movie. It's true. Yeah. Now, how did you feel about the little, like, introduction? Because there's about maybe, like, 50 or 60 pages where mm-hmm. instead of diving into The Princess Bride, you uh, dive into Goldman as a fictional character sort of um, re-abridging this supposed very long version of The Princess Bride in a fictional Mm -hmm. fashion. What were your thoughts about that? I think, um, yeah, I think if this was something I would have read when it came out, it would have felt so novel and interesting to me. Um, But now that we're in a time when, like, a lot of gimmicky things have been tried. Um, it felt it it landed more gimmicky than not because um, I started reading it and I was like, I actually started listening to the audiobook first mm-hmm. um, because Rob Reiner uh, released an audiobook of him reading his favorite parts, and I was like, that sounds amazing. So I listened to that. It's like an even more abridged version of the book. Uh, I guess the original book's not abridged, but it's an abridged version yeah. of the book. And so <laughs> he takes like his favorite quotes and basically he, he's basically like telling the story of the movie. Um, and he starts off by telling his own version of the introduction of like his dad telling him his favorite parts and then realizing later when he found like the full manuscript that his dad had been abridging it for him when he was telling it to him as a kid and blah, blah blah like this whole story and so then when I started reading when I realized it was an abridged version I went back to read the original book and the same stories in the beginning I'm like what the hell is happening yeah <laughs> what's real <laughs> yeah it- and on top of that I was reading the uh, the 30th anniversary one. So it has a new forward where basically he talks about visiting Florin and seeing like the original artifacts that he's that's in the movie and like the existence of the, the cliffs of insanity and about how, like when he met Andre the giant, he had scaled the cliffs. I'm like, what is, what is real in this book? <laughs> that's, a, I mean, a part of me respects that, that like, he's really like, dedicated someone- to the joke. <laughs> As someone who like when sometimes I find a joke that I think is funny, so I keep saying it and waiting for people to laugh. I can respect the hustle, but like there's a reason why I couldn't get through all these forwards. I got like eight pages into the first one and I was like, I can't do this right now. Uh, So I ended up skipping it. Even like the little part where like Goldman has a story about himself. He I I mean, he probably purposely wrote himself as a jerk, but there's like this even like weirder scene um, that maybe I'll talk in the spoiler part about like him and another woman. That's just weird and doesn't age very well. I remember when he's like thinking about like cheating on his wife basically with like a Hollywood star. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it again. It was weird, guys. (laughs) It was really weird. So like, that's the thing. There's so much like 
I feel like homework you gotta get through just to get to the good part. You can easily but the good skip part's it. very good. Yeah, the good part is very good. You can totally skip all the forwards. You can actually skip also Buttercup's baby. I don't know if this is like spoiler territory. It kind of sucks. So skip it. <laughs> I'm glad I did not read it that. Feels like, it feels like the rough draft of a fan fiction somebody wrote, and it's not very good. So just skip it. It's not worth it. I hope for the 35th or 40th anniversary, <laughs> they just like publish the book (laughs) and get rid of all the extra because it's a joke within a joke within a joke at this point it's so much uh (laughs) but enough about the book let's just talk about the movie you know you know i what is there more to say i guess hey guys the princess bride is good the whoa 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 whoa. back it up there (laughs) if you haven't watched it why if you haven't watched in a while go watch it now you'll enjoy it yeah, I think it's it's just a classic. I think, uh, you know, we alluded to this. All the performances are ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Um, Inigo Montoya is a character that could have easily been cliche, that yeah. could have easily been overplayed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, all of them could have. But especially his character, because his is probably the most like genuinely dramatic out of all of them. And it is one of the plots you're probably most invested in actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, since it's s- sort of like a revenge plot mm-hmm. and like uh, Mandy Patinkin uh, just plays him so well where when he's mm-hmm. funny, he's hilarious, but when mm-hmm. he's dramatic and during, especially the end scenes, mm-hmm. man, he really gets you. And it is probably one of the, like widest range you could put into a role. Um, they did a cast reunion, I think for the 25th anniversary. And so you can find uh, the YouTube clips uh, for it. It's very good. And they interview the cast and they bring the whole cast together and they talk about making the movie. And Mandy Patinkin does an interview and he talks about how important this role was to him. And he slips back into Inigo's voice, like, butter and it's it like gave me chills watching the video is so good yeah it's it's probably one of my top characters ever because specifically because of the performance because i think that reading the book i only imagined him like i can't Mm -hmm. picture a version of this character that's not him going through this book yeah absolutely i mean i feel the same uh with uh, Carrie Elwes and uh, you know playing Wesley and uh, Robin Wright playing uh, oh yeah Buttercup. Uh, one funny thing, so I pulled up IMDb just so that we because we always do because we're terrible with names. Uh, mm-hmm. Robin White Wright is listed as not Buttercup but the Princess Bride on IMDb. <laughs> just very funny. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's pretty good. Uh, so one of the things that I will say before we jump into spoilers is. It is incredible how many things I thought uh, were jokes just for the movie that were actually jokes that originated from the book. And two of them that I was really surprised by, one of them is uh, Miracle Max, I thought was totally made up for the times because I feel like you can't separate Miracle Max from Billy Crystal. And he's in there. Uh, A lot of his great lines are from, like Billy Crystal did a lot of improv, but a lot of his great lines are directly from the original book which is amazing uh and then the priest who marries them yeah that was something i was like 
I thought that was for sure just a joke for the movie. It's not. It's also in the book where it's even spelled out the way he would say it. I just thought it was so funny. It's, it was, this book was one of those books that you know in the long one he wanted to make into a movie. Because, like, especially the priest. Like, I feel like you get the most out of it, out of the performance. Yeah. And it's not, it's not too long. It's just enough for you to get a laugh and be like, what is this? And then it moves on to the next thing. All right, so David, would you recommend people read this book? What do you think? This is kind of a tough one because I genuinely did enjoy the book. Um, But in terms of recommending it, I would say this is definitely kind of on a maybe for me. Not because you won't enjoy it, but I feel like you have to really be a fan of The Princess Bride and want to learn more about it to get a lot out of this. Because at least for me, a lot of the extra fluff I didn't really enjoy in the long run. I don't think it's aged very well. So I think if you're a big fan of Goldman, absolutely. If you're a super fan of this movie, yes. In terms of this being like one of those things as a requirement, I just have a hard time really putting a hard recommendation on it but that's not a criticism of the book that's more of a celebration of just how good this adaptation was yeah i think i would kind of agree with that i think all the best parts made it into the movie um so if you aren't a fan of the movie which is crazy you definitely won't enjoy the book oh absolutely not i think that if you are a fan of the movie already uh and you're like hungry for like a little bit more content maybe mm-hmm. um, I think it's a, it's an enjoyable read uh, but I do think it's one where you'll kind of peter out halfway through and just want to watch the movie because all the good stuff's really in there yeah that's kind of where I landed so I will say maybe on the book definite on the movie uh, and I will actually say go read uh, or go listen to Carrie Ellis's uh, memoir on the making of the of the movie so if you wanted like something that felt a little bit more like a genuine experience as opposed to like a really big joke (laughs) that's definitely definitely a book to dive into yeah and if you really feel like if you have quibby and it's been burning (laughs) a hole in your pocket uh, you know honestly that it wasn't that bad it wasn't that bad i feel like you didn't really like it but you're trying to talk yourself into like yeah it's just here's the thing is like when i when i look at it from the outside no, it's bad. But when I was watching it, I laughed way more than I should have. Yeah, yeah, I get you. And they got they got me to laugh the Santa Claus type laugh I do when I when I find something really funny. Which I mean, that in itself is a recommendation. That's true. Okay, so let's talk about what's up in our spoiler section. I've got my country's five hundredth anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder. I'm swapped. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some spoilers. Yeah. In terms of what are our favorite parts, I mean, we kind of talked a lot about this, but is there anything that we haven't mentioned that you really want to talk about? Okay, so there is one very specific change uh, that I think is such a good change that they put into the movie from the book. Uh, in the book, when Wesley and Inigo Montoya are about to face off on the Cliffs of Insanity, um, Inigo does not tell him his backstory. Just the audience gets to hear his backstory. Um, and then later on, 
when Wesley runs into the six-fingered man, you know, he has his line raised like somebody is looking for you and then gets conked on the head. I think that's so good to like like start building a relationship between Wesley and Inigo kind of early on. The entire mm-hmm. scene where they're talking, like, of course, you'd have to like, unless you did like a flashback, like how else are you going to convey that information to the audience? But the entire scene of Inigo telling Wesley, a man he's about to face off and maybe kill his story uh, is incredible. And I think it just like paves the way for them to like respect each other. Like as they start fighting, it's one of my favorite parts. Like the, the sword fight is one of my favorite parts is still very good. Um, But even just their discussion right beforehand is excellent. I love Inigo getting like antsy and helping Wesley up the rest of the way up the cliffs. Uh, Their entire exchange is very funny um, from beginning to end. And then the fact that they're like sharing kind of this surprisingly intimate moment before they fight each other is just really, really good. And I really like it. And I'm glad they made that adjustment into the movie. Yeah, for me, I feel like the movie starts during those scenes. Like as soon as Princess Buttercup jumps into the water and they have that scene, uh, I feel like that for me is when the movie really starts because that starts uh, Wesley or the man in black's chase Mm -hmm. um, trying to get back Princess Buttercup. And all of those scenes back to back, A plus fire amazing they're all super memorable they're super quotable i could watch that like magical 20 to 30 minute scenes over and over because you get that amazing sword fight then you just get him wrestling with andre the giant in a very hilarious scene one of my favorite lines is when vizzini tells fezzik to knock out the man in black basically like ambush him and fezzik is like my way doesn't seem very sportsmanlike Dylan gives me every time. <laughs> I think it's the part two where um, Wesley knocks out Fezzik and he says something to the lines of like, I hope you dream of large women or yes. something. Yes. It it's cracks me up every single time. Yeah. And again, it's just because they're fighting, but it's like so wholesome and camaraderie yes. that you Absolutely. can't help but smile. Yeah. And then, of course, it ends with the battle of wits, which is completely hilarious to me yeah and it's still so uh, good wallace sean plays uh <laughs> plays it so well he, he is completely so hilarious and i i think the the only if i were to super nitpick the only part for me that's disappointing is that that magical 30 minute scene ends and then you still got the rest of the movie to watch and it never quite hits those highs mm-hmm. but it's still an enjoyable experience yeah. but those those, those 30 minutes are the most memorable ones. Those series of like three trials are very, very good. And then the entire sequence of them uh, reviving Wesley and breaking back and breaking into the castle to save Buttercup is the best. It's just chef's kiss. So good. Um, I still like we watch this pretty regularly. I still get chills at the end when Wesley is giving his speech and tells yeah. Humpertink to drop his sword. And he does, and he then gets tied up. And then Wesley's just like, whoa, like almost falls <laughs> over. It's so good. <laughs> and, and Inigo, like getting his revenge at the end, it's such a good ending for that character. Uh, but like you said, it's very wholesome at the same time. Like, yes, it's this bloody sword fight. 
And then at the very end, Inigo is talking to Wesley and he's like, I've been in the revenge business for so long. I don't know what to do with myself. And it's such a sweet and genuine talk between friends that's so surprising in like an adventure story like this. Yeah. Gosh. Now I, I kind of want to watch that scene again now. Right? Because uh, so Inigo Montoya is like, it, just the conclusion of his storyline is like one of the all time top for a revenge yeah. top plot. Uh, and at the end, when he's just repeating his line over and over yeah. uh, to the count, is just classic. Yeah, he's like, I want uh, my father back, you son of a bitch. And he stabs him. Uh, it's so satisfying. Absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, there's Billy Crystal's scene. Uh, <laughs> just, just where hilarious. he just like, he just, he just crushes it. There's, uh, you know, I didn't say this fact, but Rob Reiner said he had to get off set when yeah. filming that scene because they were because laughing he could so not hard. stop laughing yeah and it's because miracle max like you read it and you know i can chuckle at it but like watching billy crystal go through his whole spiel is hilarious it's absolutely yes. hilarious yeah the mlt joke is very funny mm-hmm. um yeah just like the chocolate coating on the on the revivivide pill is very funny mm-hmm. uh just all of it is really really good yeah yeah, it's just enjoyable from beginning to end. Um, so I will say something super, super nerdy right now that maybe okay, not all, all of our listeners will relate to. But uh, I feel like this movie is enjoyable for this. It reminded me very much of playing Dungeons and Dragons, funny enough, where like you have kind of this adventure and like various tasks to overcome and you have to be kind of creative to overcome them. Um, and at the same time, you're like, you know, like a badass fighting things. And at the same time, you're having like these emotional connections and moments with people and throughout like the whole story. And it just, it reminds like all the reasons why I love D&D and we play D&D together um, are the same things that are in this story. So I just thought that was interesting. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it like that before. Yeah, I would agree with that. It has the same type of tones to it where you are laughing because Mm -hmm. you've done the dumbest thing in your life and you rolled a critical one but then you also get the moments of what feels like like genuine character building and drama Mm -hmm. uh so i can completely see that yeah yeah it just kind of hit me when i was rewatching i'm like oh this is because i've been in quarantine digesting a lot of D D content um and yeah, it just kind of hit me that all the same reasons why I love this movie is the same reasons why I love D&D. It has a lot of the same things in common. Man, I just want to play D&D now. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> you can cut that out if you think it's too niche for our listeners. But yeah, I thought. No, was- I think it's good. I mean, they probably can already tell we play Yeah, a little D&D, bit nerd. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think that's like, oh my gosh, they play d Oh, what? <laughs> Uh, were there any jarring or surprising changes? I guess we already talked about that a little bit. I will say there's like the uh, the zoo of death or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is that what it's called? Um, what so. a crazy, crazy concept for the book <laughs> where it's like five levels for the prince to kill various yep. animals because he needs to kill something every single day. Which is a great um, villain line for sure. It's just insane. And then yeah. on each level is something different. And there is this like kind of funny scene where um, Fezzik and Montoya, uh, Vin- uh, Vincini. Oh, why can't I say his name? Vincini. 
Vincini. Why? What is wrong with me? <laughs> okay, Vincini. Okay, Vincini. Okay. Uh huh. Vincini has died, uh, and yeah. they are now basically planning things and they're going through this zoo of death and neither of them feel comfortable taking the lead and it's it's a pretty funny scene albeit the zoo of death is still a very wild weird concept that i'm kind of glad they didn't include in the movie it's also like all underground so you're just going through like several several levels of going further and further underground i will say if you I did think it was pretty funny because it is kind of like a like a dungeon crawl, essentially. Yeah. Um, and at the very end is like the big bad thing that they have to get through where there's like a spider hiding inside of a doorknob. But because Fezzik is freaked out, he just busts through the door entirely and steps on the spider. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a really like not necessarily like of a letdown, but it's like very um, – it's very dramatic and then satirical at the same time where it's just like, it's just over. It's fine. It was just a dumb spider. <laughs> yeah. It kind of feels like you cheat something with your DM where you're like, I kick the door and he's like, oh, okay, roll. And you're like, natural 20. And he's yeah. like, shoot. You knock down the door. The spider's dead. Yep. Basically, that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other changes you want to mention? No, like I said, there wasn't like a huge amount of changes necessarily. Um, I think there was just, you know, it's very clear that Rob Reiner knows how to tell a story. And so okay. even from this really great source material, he just made the characters that much better and their connections that much stronger to each other. Uh, yeah, that's true. yeah, I think it's, it's such an enjoyable movie because of that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, one thing I will say about the ending, though, it is a very satisfying ending. However,. Absolutely. There is this amazing part where Princess Buttercup jumps out of the window and there's it's like the this slow, shot. it's like a slow-mo drop yeah. of her falling into Fezzik's arms. <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know why, but I just forgot about it. So I just started laughing and I was like, is, are all of them going to do it? Are they all going to do it? And they I didn't. Really, I kind of really wish did. they did it for every character. I almost always forget that that little clip is in there and I expect each of them to have one. And I'm always disappointed that each of them didn't have one. I would do anything, anything to see Carrie Elwes float in slow motion yeah, down. 100%. It would have been hilarious. Been amazing. Oh, I will say the one small ending that I think is much stronger in the movie um, that they changed is at the very end, uh, Inigo is talking to, Wesley about what he's going to do next and Wesley goes I think you'd make a great Dread Pirate Roberts and I think that's such a super set like that's not from the book and that's such a super satisfying ending for both of their characters that like now Wesley has has you know found his love again and so he can leave that life behind um and uh and Ego can take up something that still uses his master sword fighting skills uh mm-hmm. I wish I, I'm really glad that they added that I think it was a really nice touch yeah. Yeah, that was like a fun little like nod at the end. Absolutely. Do you got now, any uh, Yeah, you got I'll any go nitpicks? On. I I do have one nitpick. Yeah. Okay, cuz as 
a boy mm-hmm. who has lived in the Chicagoland area. Because supposedly, like, Fred Savage, the little kid who's getting told this story from his grandfather in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. supposedly is supposed to live in, like, a Chicago suburb. Oh, which you think I, so? how, do you, how can you tell that, David? How exactly can you well, tell Well, you, you can tell because he has every single Chicago sports team hanging on his wall. And I'll tell you. Person. <laughs> this is not – I ended up as, as, as someone – I, I I have a weird, not weird, I have a direct understanding of what it's like to be a little boy living in suburban Chicago. And I could tell you straight up, you are not a fan of every single sports team in Chicago. There's at least one, one that you would be like, I vehemently hate this one. Really? You don't, you don't have multiple posters of the Blackhawks and the Bears and the Cubs and the Sox all over your room as a kid? No, no, Including no, I did not. And sweatshirts and like and stuff listen, as a kid, I straight up had a sports bedroom. It you was did. like I helped paint it. It was a full on like baseball bedroom. It was yeah, crazy. There was a, there was, I can't believe our mom let us do this. We painted a soccer field on your, your ceiling. Yeah, and we <laughs> did the Wrigley mm-hmm. the Wrigley Field sign yeah, was I on my that. bedroom wall. It yep. was amazing. Yeah. Okay. And we had that it like, is what it all out like, looks Cubs like. Win World Series, didn't we do that? <laughs> Yeah, and you, yeah, that was pretty sad for a while. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, but it is complete. This Fred Savage's room is insane, and I think one of the most like big sins is there's like a big old bag of Cheetos that are open above his bed. Yeah, stale Cheetos are annoying. He's also well, he has pneumonia, so maybe he was delirious and left them open. Okay, I'll <laughs> a delirious Fred Savage. Yeah, whatever. His bedroom is insane. That's all I'm gonna he say. Went, it's an he got pneumonia. Step one, get pneumonia. Step two, eat tons of Cheetos. Step three, buy tons of uh, Chicago Bears memorabilia for your room. Have a giant poster of the fridge hanging above where yeah, that's you. That's pretty sleep. weird. That's pretty weird. So actually, when you wake up, you see the fridge's eyes staring right at you. That's pretty strange. I didn't understand that. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Do you have any nitpicks? Uh, yeah, I would say my one nitpick that always like rakes me the wrong way when rewatching this is I hate how mean Wesley is to Buttercup like right before oh, so she realizes. Mean. Yeah, it's just like not cool. He like pretends to try and slap her. It really hasn't aged very well um, that he's just like mean out of nowhere. And they like kind of try to justify it because he's upset she got engaged, but also like. He's been a pirate for like ten, like five years. Everyone presumed he was dead. She could, he could have written a letter to her, I mean, like, hey, yeah, I'm alive, like I'm that. fine. Yeah, I'm just like, this, hey, yeah, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing this gig until you know, I, I got like a five year deal with this guy, <laughs> and as soon as I'm done, I'm come, coming back and we'll get married. Then, sorry, <laughs> could have even like wrote a letter and pretended he was still in America yeah. if he didn't want to like yeah. say any like I absolutely yeah. I agree with you it is very it's like a very it goes on a lot longer than you think it goes too. on a little too long yeah yeah I'd agree they could have cut maybe a little bit and then yeah. just like skip to him falling down the hill it is very satisfying that she like shoves him down the hill and then falls after him just as like oh my Wesley and then just dives head first down this hill into they do have ravine. a pretty great scene of them just getting pummeled down this hill I love that they cut, oh my they cut them and it's clearly stunt doubles because it's like a dude in Buttercup's <laughs> dress just like flopping so down this hill clearly a dude <laughs> pretty good <laughs> it's like that is so clearly a dude and like the enormous rats are so clearly like a, a dude person. in a rat costume <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> yeah, but uh, I wouldn't want them to be like animatronic. They were so good. Uh, it gets it, that's the thing. I wish more kids movies would like embrace the campiness of having a full grown adult in a rat costume. I laugh every single time that Wesley's like, you know, I don't think they're that bad. And then it comes out of nowhere and just tackles him to the ground. It still gets me. Every single time. He's every like, I don't time. think they exist. That part gets me. And the part where he's telling a story about being the Dread Pirate Roberts. And he's like, good night, Wesley. Good job today. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. It makes me laugh every time. It's such a funny, like, re- re- repetition of that joke. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, guys, the Princess Bride is good. Who hey, guys. Thought? Yeah. <sighs> um, hey, it's 2020 and nothing else is really good right now. But you know what's still good? The Princess Bride is still pretty good. Do yourself a favor and just watch it. And then yeah. maybe download Quibi <laughs> if, you're, if you're feeling are you, frisky. Are you working for Quibi now? <laughs> I'm a shadow Quibi agent. <laughs> yes. They've paid me millions of dollars to go on our small podcast and promote Quibi. You're really not doing it right because you haven't even given anybody a promo code. (laughs) There is no promo codes. It's just they need money. They can't give out discounts right now. Hey, everybody, go and get a free trial of Quibi and quit before they take any of your money. That's our promo. Please give us a million dollars, Quibi. Thank you very much, Debbie. Thank you, Quibi. To be fair, Quibi, I've probably given you more promotion than like real engaging promotion than you've gotten out of any of the ads you bought. Hey, so there like, you go. that's fair. Send me a small little check. Yeah, send make us it a out check. to <laughs> make it out to Amanda Elegant, please, or cash. Uh, hard, we do take hard, hard cash. Hard, we are not above cash. cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we are never going to get any sponsors for this show. <laughs> it's okay. I don't want Quibi. <laughs> You can keep your money, Quibi. You keep your keep your stupid Quibi money. Keep your blood money, Quibi. I don't this want your stupid zone. money. Your trials are nothing. Give me. <laughs> I will not tell them to. I will tell them to not cancel if you write me a check, though. Wow, you sold all out. Of real this, all of this, all of this can go away with a with a couple of checks. Just saying. <laughs> Suddenly, our opinion will change when that Quibi money comes in. Hey, we're not above selling out. And you know <laughs> I am not above selling out. me, neither are you, Quibi, so send us that check. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that Quibi will forgive us very quickly. <laughs> hey, guys, we've now said Quibi more than anything else in this uh, episode. Uh, um, what have we done? You know what? That will actually wrap us up for today. So thank you so much oh, for yeah. <laughs> Please. Please subscribe, not to Quibi, but to us, so that you can get automatically updated when new episodes come out, whenever you get your podcast. Uh, unless we become a Quibi exclusive. That'll a- change things. <laughs> we'll keep you posted on our efforts to become Quibi exclusive. <laughs> things are looking real good on that front. We've had zero contact from them, and they don't care about us, but we're optimistic. Next, you never e- know. never know. 2020 could pick up. Um, we are entering in, this is first episode of season two. We have an entire season one that you can go enjoy filled with 20 full big boy episodes, just like this one and tons of little episodes sprinkled in between where we talk to our friends and review random stuff and complain about, uh, the rise of Skywalker. So you can go and enjoy those. Um, Mm. If you do, please leave us a review and tell your friends. And if you leave us a nice, long, juicy review with tons of words that are hard to pronounce, we will make David read it in a hilarious voice live on this podcast for you to enjoy. 
Yes, not on this episode because I did look. I didn't see any new written reviews, which was a relief for me. Because uh, there are a lot of very funny things in this movie that I would have butchered if I did quit, it myself. Quit running David off the hook for not not doing this incredible bit that we came up with. Uh, give us your suggestion for what he should say and what voice he should say it in, and we will say it next time uh, at the end of our episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can also go on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah, we're there. at Adapted Pod. So feel free to follow us there. And if you have a suggestion on something you'd like us to do, uh, just email it to stuff at Adapted Pod. We might do it and give you a small little shout out. Yeah. Um, special thanks to Catloaf for our chill intro and outro music. You're listening to Astoria Ditmars, and you can just find more of him on Spotify. Uh, so, David. Want to hear what we're consuming next? Yeah. I mean, I know because we've planned it, but I will act surprised. What are we doing next? We're going to do uh, The Devil All the Time, which is coming out on Netflix very, very shortly. Uh, So we will be reading that and rating that adaptation and watching that movie and doing, hey, you know, sometimes we get to the end of the episode and my words no work. (laughs) by the time this comes out the devil all the time should have just come out so this is something that you can actually do with us new release it's on netflix right now so be sure to watch it be sure to read it and come back uh in like two weeks when Mm -hmm. we do it and see what we think of it yeah uh until then oh no i didn't prepare any princess bride quotes for this this is oh gosh there's (laughs) I feel like ugh, we could just until, do like a back and forth of our favorite like quotes, right? Like, until then, going. until then, we've changed our mind. We're taking down Quibi from the inside. Everybody, go and subscribe to Quibi, and then burn them to the ground. Death to Quibi. <laughs> no, wow. cut, oh, that went out. That was terrible. You said death to Quibi. <laughs> I don't know if we could do this anymore. Okay, until then. Um, Tune in next time to see if we're any closer to being promoted on Quibi or if our uh, attempt has gone sour. And boo! <laughs> boo! Be funnier! <laughs> boo! I want a better outro! <laughs> <laughs>